0: Good morning out there. Morning. All of you are having a wonderful feast. Looks like I did a wonderful job of cleaning up the uh, prizes and stuff last night. So. Well, brethren, the uh, title of my sermon today is Getting Weird in a Godly Way, so I, I think with that title I might have to do some explaining. Some of my co-workers would tell me, you've got some explaining to do. So we'll get into that. So what do, what am I talking about? Getting weird in a godly way. Well, let's look at a few definitions. What is normal? <laughs> that could that could go a lot of ways. But let's look at the uh, the dictionary definitions of normal. Normal is conforming to the standard or the common type, usual, not abnormal, regular, natural, typical. My definition of normal for the purpose of this message is conforming to the world or the society in which we live. What about weird? You can go a lot of ways with that one. The uh, definitions in the dictionary go from suggestive of or relating to the supernatural, strange or bizarre, eerie, unearthly, uncanny. You know, a lot of Christ's teachings were viewed as a little bit weird. And we'll go through some of those today. A little bit strange, even by the uh, disciples as he taught them. What do I mean weird in a godly way? Well, well, simply for that I mean that we, following God and Jesus Christ and their teachings to the best of our abilities with the help of the Spirit of God. Well, that doesn't sound weird, but there's a caveat to that. In following these beliefs, Uh, they're going to cause us to be persecuted ridiculed you're going to have people saying you are really weird you're off your rocker but just remember Jesus the apostles the prophets were all viewed in this way 2,000 years ago there was a guy that came on the scene that was kind of weird had some harsh sounding strange sounding and even weird sounding teachings I don't know how they could think that a person that hung around with tax collectors and prostitutes would be weird and sinners and go around healing people with with spit but he did let's turn over for our first scripture to Matthew 19 Start there in verse 16. I think most of us know this story pretty well. Matthew Matthew 19, verse 16. Now behold, one came to and said to him, Teacher, good teacher, what thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. So here once again he reconfirms that that commandment keeping keeping the Ten Commandments is a good thing. And he says unto him which ones Jesus said and goes on to mention the the Ten Commandments. Down in verse 20. And the young man said unto them all of these things have I kept for my youth. What do I still lack? And Jesus said unto him if you want to be perfect sell what you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away very sorrowful, for he had great possessions. What was Jesus really saying here? Yeah, he, he goes on to say it's hard, it's going to be hard for a rich man to enter God's kingdom. But I think he's also trying to say, we've got to be willing to give up whatever to follow him to keep his, his ways the normal of Jesus' day what was it? It was commandment keeping they were told and taught to keep the commandments just as this young man had but Jesus went beyond that teaching it was not just enough to keep the physical keeping of the commandments that's a good thing as he said but we must also be able to keep them spiritually and to go and what he was really saying is we have to go way beyond normal if we're going to follow him we're going to have to get a little bit weird so for the remainder of this sermon I just want to go through a few examples of no- some normal thinking versus a godly weird, probably weird perspective. Like I say, I'm not saying God's weird. I'm just saying it's viewed by the world. You know, one normal worldly thinking goes along the lines of we have to go along with the the crowd, right or wrong. Most times, you know, people, when we go along with the crowd, it's not going to be a good thing. You know, but we say human reason tells us the whole crowd can't be wrong. We need to go along. We need to conform to the others around us so that we can, can fit in, so we don't draw attention to ourselves. But what does God's what's God's perspective on that? Let's turn over to Romans 12 and verse 2. And it says, "Do not and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed." by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is a good and acceptable and perfect will of God this was an example here it talks about being a living sacrifice and that's what we are we are living living sacrifices but when we're not transformed or when we're not conformed to the world we're going to be viewed as a little bit a little bit strange we're not following along with the world's program. My next example of normal versus Godly weird. and that deals with human reasoning. For the most part, people would normal human reasoning would tell us if something seems or feels right, and it probably is right. we need to go should just go along with that. What is God's view of that? It's kind of opposite of that. We'd turn over to Proverbs 14, verse 12. Another familiar scripture. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. See, man's thinking, reasoning, his normal logic going to give you a mixture of good and evil when we follow God it's it's all going to be good and the outcome the what we look forward to the reward is going to be good it's not going to be death it's going to be life next example of normal thinking versus being weird in a godly way and that could be that you know maybe right now I, I need to be working my uh, coworkers are missing me at work these last five days, and things are backing up at work. I need to really—I should be right, right there with them. You now they're going work at a nuclear power plant. And they're going through an outage right now, so it's a very busy time. And to take off during that time is very can be kind of very stressful, depending on your management at the time. But I'm missing out on lots of overtime, lots of money that I could be making. What, what is God's view of these days and this, at this time? Let's turn over to Deuteronomy 16. I think this is one of the reasons that we are, we are all here at this Feast of Tabernacles. And you shall observe the Feast of Tabernacles seven days when you have gathered from your threshing floor and, and from your wine press, and you shall rejoice in your feast you and your son and your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, and the Levi, the stranger, the fatherless, the widow who are within your gates. Seven days shall you keep a sacred feast to the Lord your God in the place which the Lord chooses because the Lord your God will bless you in all your produce and in all your work of your hands that you shall surely rejoice. He's telling me that I don't have to work these days that I need to come to his feast site. He will, and here it tells us how he will make provisions from the from the our labor to be able to keep his feast days. That's a wonderful God that we have! He's not going to send us with a feast without without a way to keep it. The next example of normal verses. Uh, Being weird in a godly way, perspective has to do with murder. Normal thinking is, and even at Christ in Christ's day, was that you shouldn't murder. That's a bad thing. Most people in most societies today believe that murdering is wrong. But let's look to see what Jesus had to say on the subject. I think he had had a little bit more to say than just physically not going out and murdering someone let's turn over to Matthew 5 and verse 21 you have heard that it was said to those of old you shall not murder and whosoever murders shall be in danger of the judgment but I say to you That whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. And whosoever says to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever says you fool shall be in danger of hell fire. Now Jesus, he raised the bar a little bit. Actually raised it quite a bit. What he's saying is that if we want to be in his kingdom we've got to be go beyond just the normal religious beliefs of the day of society we must have his laws and his father's laws written in our hearts and our minds that's what he really wants from each of us let's turn or for our next example along this same line we don't have to go very far Just stay right there all of these examples, most of them, I came right out of the Sermon on the Mount. You don't have to go very far because there's a lot of meat right there, and <laughs> a lot of uh, things that Jesus said here were, you know, construed at the, his day as a little strange and going beyond what the scribes and Pharisees said. But what did he say about the scribes and the Pharisees? He says your righteousness must far exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees normal thinking on adultery don't commit adultery at least that was the thinking back 2000 years ago normal is based on your societal influences around us that's changed that view on that is today has even changed quite a bit so so I won't even go there because that's a whole (laughs) whole new subject there but what did Jesus have to say about committing adultery let's turn over to Matthew 5 and verse 27 you have heard that it was said of old that you shall not commit adultery but I say to you that whosoever looks at a woman to lust for her has committed adultery with her in his heart now that's this applies to, to men and women, but I think for the most part this problem is more of a problem with men based on the way that we're wired. But Jesus once again is telling us that we have to go way beyond physical, got to go way beyond normal. got to have God's laws written in our hearts and minds. The next example, just a few verses over, of normal versus godly, weird thinking. And that has to do with loving your enemy. Normal thinking of his day was to lo- love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And I don't think that that's probably changed a whole lot in today's society. Let's look at Matthew 5 and verse 43. See what this weird Jesus character had to say about it. this. Matthew 5 and verse 43. And you have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those that curse you. Do good to those that hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. For you may be, so, for you may be sons of your Father in heaven got to go way beyond physically not killing someone have to love our brother or lover fellow man just as Matt the other day talked about the young boy that forgave that man who was doing horrible things to him trying to kill him we got to have that kind of attitude towards others hard to do very very hard once again these sermon on the mount scriptures when you try to drink them all in at one time it's hard to do because there's so much there I have to kind of let it kind of soak in and I have to go, go away for a little bit and say I'm falling way short there but I'm not even done with the sermon on the mount yet for my next example, normal worldly thinking versus a godly weird perspective. And that is that for the most part, people believe that we should do whatever's necessary financially and materially to get get ahead in this life. They believe that getting ahead financially is the most important thing. And that the ones with the biggest, nicest houses and cars and toys Possessions are those are going to be the winners. But God's view is totally totally opposite of that. Let's take a look at that in Matthew six and verse nineteen. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust destroys and where, th- and where thieves do not break in and steal. Where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. God, God wants us to be building treasure and putting our treasure in heaven. I think that's why we're all here at God's feast. We're doing that. We're putting our things above first in our lives. Otherwise, we'd be back doing what normal people do what God is Christ is telling us here is that you can't take your possessions with you they will mean nothing when you're gone you can't take them into the next life even though a lot of the Egyptians and some others have tried I don't think it worked out so well for them they just hadn't figured that out yet they will one day they won't they Okay, for my last example of normal versus being weird in a godly way, has to do with judging. The normal view, especially today, is that judge others. It's, it's a whole lot easier to judge others. It's a lot more fun to find other people's faults. And today it's a lot a lot easier. There's modern technology out there, a lot of different medias to be able to attack and go after people, right or wrong. What does God have to say about the subject? Let's turn over to Matthew 7 verse 1. Judge not that ye be not judged. With what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove this speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye? Hypocrite first remove the plank from your own eye you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye so easy to do to find fault with others as I've been at this feast site staying in the cabin up above my bed I've got about a 15 inch round pine beam above my bed that's what it feels like in my eyes sometimes I'm not in a position to to help someone else, but as I work on that, God tells us if I, as I work on that to get that, get my steel 660 chainsaw out and rip that beam out of my eye, my gouge it a little bit. But after that, you know what? I might be able to help my brother. That's what he's saying here. You got to go from ridicule and hurt to to help him, helping your brother. That's what's all about as we're members of God's church to have a positive peer pressure positive influence in our lives because there's plenty of negative influence out there in the normal world. The so brethren in conclusion. We are following God in Christ keeping what they say their instructions in the Bible we're going to be viewed as a little bit weird or strange Christ was the apostles were prophets were why do we think it will be any different with us and as with them they were they were persecuted and ridiculed and we will be also we need to resist the temptation and pulls of this world to be normal we've mentioned in Romans 12 verse 2 we can't conform to this world and its ways for a final scripture turn over to Matthew 7 verse 13 it's one of my favorite scriptures in in the Bible enter by the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction and there be many that will will go into it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life there are few who find it there are a lot of people that are going down a broad path they're going down that broad path because it's a little bit easier a little more comfortable brethren we need to be weird in a godly way and enter that small and narrow gate. So that we can enter into his kingdom. As these days picture.